dementia researcher with a blog and a rating. Including the voices of people with dementia in research when they have cognitive and communication difficulties. As a novice researcher, I embarked on a research career highly motivated to gather as much knowledge, advice and wisdom from others as I could. This included searching for guidance on how to do patient and public involvement, or PPI. My NIHR doctoral research fellowship application had included a whole section on PPI, and I had a plan to work with people with dementia and their families to do this. So I started out on a quest for information on how to do PPI with people with communication and cognitive difficulties. The initial phase of my quest provided some really helpful starting points. I sought guidance from official organisations such as Involve, which provided lots of practical information on how to set up a steering committee, for example, or the terms of reference for these groups. Involve highlighted the breadth of types of things people could collaborate on and how. It sounds silly, but actually one of the most useful things that I got from Involve is that they emphasise the added value of PPI. And this includes making sure that people are appropriately reimbursed, being able to reimburse travel, buy refreshments, pay people for their time is really important. And the cost calculator on the Involve website makes it inarguable. By making provision for this, it all becomes more important. And if we pay someone for their time, it must be valuable. The one thing I could not find was guidance on how to do PPI work, specifically with people with any type of communication difficulty. I even attended a training meeting looking for guidance specifically on this type of PPI work, expecting to be pointed to some really obvious resource I'd not yet heard about. But what I received was doubting looks and comments suggesting it just wasn't doable In fact, I was at one point advised that it might be a little bit too difficult. After this, I sought guidance closer to home within the speech and language therapy community. I realised that there might be people right on my doorstep who knew about communication and could offer me more bespoke guidance. So I approached a speech and language therapist who'd been instrumental in establishing a well-known third sector organisation for people with stroke-related communication difficulties, and I asked her for individualised guidance and advice on this type of work. And she and I met three times per annum over the course of my PhD and discussed my PPI work step by step as it evolved over the course of my project. So what did I do? I invited four couples where one person had a language-led dementia, primary progressive aphasia, and their partners to a steering group, my steering group, our steering group. It was extremely important to include their partners given the communication support that the partners could offer. Secondly, their partners were also living with this diagnosis and could provide an additional insight for the study. I also chose to include two professionals who were interested in the project, but who could support the communication of other group members. The first port of call was to establish a set of group rules outlining how we would communicate with each other. We pooled ideas from group members, including the use of communication cards that we would all use or or hold up and show 
when we wanted to ask a question or we wanted the meeting to slow down or we needed to ask for repetitions and so forth. All group members agreed to use the cards. We all needed to go at the same pace together. I also circulated agendas in advance of every meeting and discussed some topics individually with people before we all met as a group. This meant people had time to plan and consider their answers. And at every meeting, <coughs> we would recap on the work we'd done to date. The following provides a list of key tips and hints that we collated as a group. The first tip was around circulating this agenda and minutes. We developed these in an accessible way and it made people feel valued. Taking a photo of group members at every meeting and including these in the meeting minutes and agendas provided consistency. Presenting a summary of the project on slides at the start of every meeting and including these in the minutes and, agended in the, and agendas made sure we were all on the same page. Using the same images and layout throughout, so on the slides, on the agendas, on the minutes, facilitated comprehension. Meeting face-to-face, -face, sitting in an open circle and having time for refreshments before we started work was essential to establishing rapport and supporting communication at every stage of the project. And, of course, as people's communication difficulties evolved and changed. When we discussed topics, we all agreed that the floor should be open to people with PPA or primary progressive aphasia first before other group members. This ensured that their voices were heard. We planned out work on the project together by using voting systems. So we used post-it notes and placed them on a timeline to vote when we should do the work. This meant that the group owned the work we did together. On occasion, we planned to bring things to the group to support a brainstorm. And we did this using photos or objects or even drawing. In fact, often we draw large brainstorms in the meeting, meaning that people could actually understand the conversation as it happened and write things down or draw them if they needed to do. So within the conversations to support communication. Finally, we also agreed to video record all our meetings so that no one needed to spend time writing minutes and we could all focus on talking together. I've now started to meet more and more researchers who are finding this entire process very challenging and want to share the resources and ideas and methods for PPI that they've often co-produced with people with communication difficulties. We're in the process of putting together some of these resources to this end, so watch this space. Working with communication, people with communication and cognitive difficulties is possible with the right strategies in place to support the process. Thank you for listening. Join the Dementia Research bloggers and share your own views.